This morning we're starting a new series, and Nigel's going to preach for us in just a few moments. We're going to start a Bible overview series. We're going to call it The King, the Snake, and the Promise. And this morning we're going to read from Genesis chapter 2. So Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to begin to read at verse 4, and we're going to see creation at play. So Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, and we're going to read till the end of this chapter. So this is God's word to us, and therefore we know we can trust it completely. Genesis 2 verse 4. These are the generations of heaven and the earth when they were created, in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant on the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to work the ground. And the mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant in the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden, and there it divided and became four rivers. The name of the first is called Pishon. It is the one that flowed from the whole of the land to Havalah, where there is gold. And the gold of the land is of Bedlam and of Onyx stone. And there, the name of the second river is Gaon, and that one flowed around the whole of the land of Cush. And the name of the third river is the Tigris, which flows east of Assyria, and the fourth is the Euphrates. And the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. And then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and to all the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. And so the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, he took one of his ribs, and he closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman, and brought her to the man. And then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this morning. Nice. Well, if we have our, our Bibles, we might want to, to have them open at uh, Genesis chapter 2. Uh, one of the things that's really important for any Christian to have is... A, a grasp of God's big story, what God has done, 
and what God is doing. And that's important because we need to understand our world. Uh, it's been said that we are meaning makers. We need to find meaning in who we are and what we're doing. And, and knowing God's big story and how we fit into that gives us meaning. We understand our world and our role within our world. And we're not left to work that out for ourselves. God has told us what He has done and what He is doing in His Word in the Bible. In the Bible, we find out uh, what God is, uh, what the big story of the Bible is, and, and, and what that means for us. And over the summer, as, as John said, over the summer, we're following this uh, series called The King, the Snake, and the Promise with the boys and girls that, that starts at creation and goes to fulfillment, to heaven, as it were, and, and we're going to find out the, the, the great story of what God is doing over 10 weeks. And we thought that we would follow that ourselves so that we could be on the same page. Now, hopefully, we will get a, a grasp of God's big story, and we'll see how the Bible fits together. Uh, I grew up in church, went to Sunday school, and, and had great teachers, knew all the, the Bible stories and so on. But I remember going off to college and having to sit down and figure out how, how it all fitted together. And I, I drew out a chart and stuck it up my wall in Aberdeen I, I, because I didn't know where the bits all fitted and what came before and what came after everything else. And, and whenever we keep emphasizing, as we do, that the Bible is one big story, well, it's really helpful for us to, to have a sense of how that story flows. Well, today we are looking at creation uh, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start, as somebody once sang. And uh, we're starting with Genesis and with creation. It's a massive subject, not one that we're going to be able to address in total, but it's uh, something that we, we really need to get in our heads if we're going to get a picture of God's big story. Three simple statements today that will highlight some of the key things that we need to know. And the first is, very, very simply, God made everything. God made everything. So, look at verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. So, the heavens and the earth uh, are, are really everything, and uh, they are made by God. And, and like so much of the Scriptures, especially actually Genesis, so much of the Scriptures just cuts across the thinking of our world. Because this tells us, right at the beginning, that we are not here by accident, that it is not random what we see around us, but everything that we see is the result of a creative act by a creator. So, if you're to think of, of everything that there is, there, there is a, a fundamental division that, that runs through everything that there is, and that is the division between creator, God, and His creation, everything else. The Creator is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He is eternal and unchangeable. He's always been and will always be. But then there is the creation. That's everything else, what we see, including ourselves, what is unseen, the unseen spiritual world around us, angels, for example. But And that world, that seen and unseen world, everything else apart from God, has been created. God has made it, and He made it out of nothing. There was a time when there was nothing, and then out of nothing, God created. 
That's what we were saying just a moment ago to the boys and girls. When, when we talk about being creative, we are taking something and we're really usually reconstituting it in some way. We're taking some raw materials and we're, we're mixing them or we're affecting them in some way and we're coming up with something that's sort of new. God's creative act is not like that. He doesn't take anything to make what there is. He creates out of nothing. So Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what was seen it was not made out of what was visible. Now, of course, what everybody wants to ask is, well, how did God do this, and how long did it take Him, and so on. And we have looked at this on occasion in the past, and usually we point out, well, this is one of those places where, where great Christians differ, great and godly believers take different lines on this, and, and, and take different views as to how long that took, whether the days represent literal 24-hour days or whether they are uh, representative of something that's uh, much longer in terms of history. And, and so whenever we come to our conclusions on that, because we know that, that great Christians disagree on that, it's one of those things that we hold lightly, knowing that our brothers and sisters may take a slightly different view on this. But what all Christians affirm is, as the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. So that's the first thing to say. God made everything. Now, the second thing is, God made us. If you're familiar with the early chapters of Genesis, you'll know that both chapters 1 and 2 record God's act of creation, same act of creation, but from different viewpoints, really. And in both chapters, it is clear that it is the creation of people that God is working towards. They are the pinnacle, we are the pinnacle of His creation. In many ways, you could say that the, the rest of creation is for mankind. It is the environment in which mankind can exist and flourish. And, and even as we say that, we just think of the, the magnitude of creation and the distant galaxies and so on, and all of that, a, a, an incredible expression of God's creative power, but even that for mankind. Well, that, by the way, is very, very different than the way that human beings are described by some of the more extreme elements of the environmental movement at the moment. The message that comes across is that this world is wonderful, but that mankind is really the problem, and the world or the earth would be in a much better place without us. Now, there's no question that, that we are to be stewards of the earth, to work the earth. You see, for example, in chapter 2, verse 15, that man is put in the garden to work it and take care of it, and so there should be an appropriate Christian environmental concern. But at the same time, the earth is the setting for the pinnacle of God's creation, which is mankind. So, for example, in chapter 126, uh, verse 26, God says, let us make man in our own image. No other part of creation is described like that, being made an image of God. Human beings are alone God's image bearers. And then in chapter 2, we have this remarkable account in verse 7. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So, so we're formed 
from the dust of the ground, we're formed from the common chemicals of this world, that indicates our connection with the earth, and in a sense, our need for humility. If we're to be anything, it will be because of our dependence upon God. But on the other hand, God breathed into the man's nostrils here, the breath of life. He doesn't give life to any other creatures in this way. Derek Kidner, in his commentary, speaks of this almost as a kiss. It, God is drawing near in intimacy to bring life. All life comes from him, but he gives it to man in the most intimate and loving way. Now, there's a, a real sense in which all of God's uh, creation sings God's praises. John was uh, quoting Psalm 19, that the, the heavens declare the glory of God. There's, so, there's a sense in which everything that there is around us declares God's glory. Uh, there's a squirrel that lives in a tree across the road from our house. I've just noticed him this week. And sometimes he crosses the road, which you might know is a very busy road, into our garden, and I can see him from my study. And on Friday, I, I, I watched him crossing that road, and I thought I was going to have to go out and do a funeral uh, very quickly, but, but uh, he, he made it all right, and he's, well, so far as, far as I know, he's still around. Uh, but as he goes around the business of being a squirrel, there's a very real sense in which he, he brings glory to God. And so actually does the tree in, in which he lives, so even does the road which he crosses. There's a sense in, in which all of creation uh, 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 brings glory to God. But in a much greater sense, mankind is to do that because we're made for relationship with God in a way that the rest of creation is not. We are his image bearers. We're able to relate freely to him in praise and worship. Now, the fact that, that you and I have been made by God is incredibly important. It, it deals with this image issue that we have, this, or this meaning issue that we mentioned at the beginning. Because not only is this world not accidental, but you and, and, and me, we're not accidental. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of your birth were. It doesn't matter whether or not your parents planned you. It doesn't even matter if your parents wanted you. But behind those varying human circumstances, there is a divine purpose. You were made by God, and therefore your life has meaning. It has purpose. You, you are no accident. You are wanted by God. And of course, what's happened in our world today is that our world has jettisoned this understanding of who we are and where we've come from. And so we're in dreadful trouble because our world has said, we're just here by chance. And there's really, therefore, no purpose to our world. But on the other hand, people are desperately trying to confer meaning to their lives. But the truth is, of course, as at some level our hearts know that if we are here by chance, then our lives are meaningless. And surely so much of the the anguish of our world, and even the mental health crisis of our times is because the world has stripped away the foundation by which our lives can matter. We cannot live like that, and that's clear. 
So the Bible is saying we have meaning, we have purpose, we are designed by God. But we also have duty. Because the fact that we are made by God says that we belong to Him. We are His by right, and therefore we, we need to relate to Him in the way that He intended us to relate to Him. You notice in our call to worship day, Psalm 95, the fact that the God made the seas confers His ownership of them. So, Psalm 95 says, the seas are His, for He made them. His hands formed the dry land. So, in other words, according to the Bible, if you make something, you own it, and we understand that. It's the same with us. Psalm 100 says, know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. We are His. So, our, our, our duty is to live as if we belong to the Lord, because we do. And that means treating Him as God in our lives. It means living with Him as King of our lives, giving Him the worship and obedience that's due to Him. That's clearly the way that things were designed for Adam and Eve here. You can see that they're put in this wonderful garden, but there are rules. There's a tree that they must not eat from. There's enormous freedom for them, but it's clear who the king is, isn't it? It's God's garden. It's God's earth. It's, it's God's tree. It's God's rule. And, and you know that, you see that the God rules by His Word. He speaks His, His rule to them. So, that means if you're here today and, and you're a Christian, you are living as you were designed to live. It's marvelous. Oh, oh, like me, you will know that so often as believers, we don't live as we ought to or even as we want to. We, we find ourselves going our own way and grieving the Lord. But on the other hand, the fact that you are at a basic level trusting Him means that you are acknowledging Him as, acknowledging him as King and living as He intends. And if you're not yet a Christian, it's great that you're here, but you need to see that, that, that at some level, you're, you're at a very fundamental level, you're out of step with His purposes for you. you. You're saying, I'm my own king. You've made me, but I am mine and not yours. If you, if you go into our, our kitchen cutlery drawer, you will find the dinner knives, and you'll find that a few of them maybe more than a few of them, have a slightly bent tip. I could probably find some like that in your house as well. And, and, and I could tell you probably what happened. You were standing in the kitchen, and you needed to open a jar or, or open a plug. That's what usually happened in our house. And you knew that the screwdriver was quite a long way away, like six feet away, but there was a knife right there. And uh, you used that knife as a screwdriver. And so... You used it in a way that it wasn't intended for, and, and, and now it's suffering the consequences, and the bent tip shows that. Now, you see, we're made for a purpose. We're designed for God, and that is to live with Him as King, and if we are living out of sync with that, well, we're going to reap the negative consequences in our lives, just like those knives in your drawer. Well, God made everything. God made us. Here we see that Adam and Eve are living as God intends at the beginning. And that brings us to our third point. And finally, God made us perfect originally. 
I hope you can see this is a perfect picture in chapter 2. In chapter 1, God has already said about his various aspects of creation that it is good. Uh, after the creation of mankind on the sixth day, it's very good. And chapter 2 continues in this very good atmosphere. So the relationships that Adam and Eve enjoy are really notable. You think of their relationship with God himself. He is certainly king. They are nevertheless the object of his attention. He cares for them. He provides for them. He involves Adam wonderfully in the naming of the animals. He sees that Adam has a, a, a companion and needs a companion. He creates Eve. There's, there's real relationship here. The relationship with the rest of creation is notable too. They exercise authority over it. It is to be ruled and subdued, but the garden is to be worked and cared for. So, it's a careful and a tender authority an authority that we might see, for example, from a, a master gardener whose rule over his or her garden causes great beauty and flourishing. But you can see, too, that, that this work, uh, by the way, you can see, too, that, that, that work here is part of God's good creation. Frustrating work comes in after the fall, but work is here in this perfect place. And, and the relationship with each other is beautiful, isn't it? Eve is made from Adam's side, from his ribs, so that she is like him, but she's different to him, made to be permanently beside him. And he is thrilled with her. He says, bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh, which really means, wow, you're amazing. And, and they enjoy this shameless nakedness, which, which not only speaks of the marriage relationship, but of an uninterrupted openness between them. So there's no tension. There's no misunderstanding. They never have to say to each other, oh, you've taken me up wrongly. I, I, I didn't mean it like that. So this is a perfect creation, you see. Now, clearly, that's not the world we live in. And we're going to see why next week as we look at Genesis 3 and the fall. But this was God's original intention for us. And, and actually, this is where all of history is going again. This is where God is taking us again. We're going to see that in a very real sense as we follow through this series, that God is taking us in a way back to Eden, back to the garden where, where all of His perfection will be enjoyed again. One of the themes that is echoed in a, a simple way, I think, in The King, the Snake, and the Promise with the boys and girls is the idea of God's kingdom. We, we, we know that kingdom is a Bible theme. We pray, don't we? Thy kingdom come in the Lord's prayer. And one scholar called Graham Goldsworthy described the kingdom like this. Here it is. The kingdom of God is, is this. It is God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. Now, that's what we see in, in Eden. God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. That's what we're going to see eventually in, in glory, God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. As we go through the big story of the Bible, we'll see that now we're not there, and we're going to see what God is doing to fix that. So, creation, a very quick run through a very, very major subject. God made everything, God made you, and God made us perfect originally. Just as we finish, ask yourself, what is this creating God like? Isn't He great? Isn't He powerful? 
He, he speaks things into being. He, he's creative in the very deepest sense of the word. He loves beauty, and as, in as much as his creation speaks of him, we can see that he's awesome and wonderful, but he's tender and loving too, and he clearly loves Adam and Eve. He comes right up close to, to them to bring life to them. Don't you want a God like this? Do you know, actually, all of us want a God like this. This is the God that our hearts are crying for, because living for him is why we're here. So don't run from him. Let's run to him. I'm going to pray for a moment just together. Let us pray. Lord, we do pray that you will help us to live as your created people, those who acknowledge that all of life comes from you, that we are made by you, and therefore we were made for you. Help us, Lord, to live with you as our King and run to you every moment of every day. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.